1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. And when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye brethren, if you're saved this morning, say amen. amen. That's us. But ye brethren are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the, of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you hear an amen on that? Amen. Who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, edify one another, even as also you do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Here's the scripture. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. We realize in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, speaking of the coming of the Lord, we realize there is a straight line that is drawn here. There is no gray area. Either you are in darkness, which means you do not know Christ as your Savior, or you are in the light. That means that Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord. Either you're going through life in darkness or you're going through life in light. And may I say to you that if you are living in darkness, you do not know Christ as Savior and Lord, that the wrath of God abides on you. But if you have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, then you and I and everyone else around you, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Can I hear an amen on that? And the wrath of God is not on us because we have received salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So we realize that Jesus is soon coming. But I want to preach on this thought. We need some encouragers. We need some encouragers because we know the days are evil. We know that Jesus is soon coming, and we need someone to encourage someone. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love and for your mercy. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for the Word of God and the truth that's in it. 
Pray you'd bless this message. Fill me with your spirit. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing and thank you for being here. And we're getting ready to have a baptism at the close of our service. And what a blessing that is. As I begin to study in verse number 14, it says, We exhort you, brethren. The thought that come to me is, who is a exhorter and who is the encouragers? And how is it that you and I can encourage someone else? What does the scripture teach us about being an exhorter or being the encourager that we need to be? We study this word to exhort means to advise and it means to encourage. It means to cheer. It means to give strength to someone else and to be there for them. How does an encourager do this? In Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 40, the Bible says, And with many other words did he testify and exhort. If you and I are going to be the encouragers that we need to be, we're going to do it with our words. Because it is with our words that we tear people down. And it is with our words that we can lift people up. It is with our words that we can speak blessings, but it is also with our words that we can speak cursing. Are you with me this morning? And the Bible teaches us to be an encourager. The way that you need to do that is with your words. Acts 27, 22, it says, And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. 2 Corinthians 9, 5 says, Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren. 1 Timothy 2, 1 says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications and prayers and intercession and giving of thanks be made for all men. Titus 2, 6 says, Young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded. But listen to Hebrews 3, 13. But exhort one another daily. But exhort one another daily. The reason for that is, is because the Bible says we can be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You and I need to realize that the sin in our lives can harden our hearts. That's why the Bible teaches us that you and I need to be an encouragers. Not just encourage someone every now and then. Not just encourage someone when you feel like it. But the Bible teaches us that you and I need to use our words to encourage one another. And it says you need to do this daily. Every single day in our lives as believers, we need to try our best to encourage one another. If you're glad you saved, say amen. amen. We need to encourage one another. Amen. amen. I'm telling you, everywhere that I've been here lately, people need encouraging. I talk to young people, they need encouraging. I talk to mamas and daddies, they need encouraging. I went up to the radio station on Thursday and preached up there on the radio for the Sherathon, and when I walked in, I could tell those men needed encouraging. We have a lady that's in the hospital right now, Miss Haney. As far as I know, Miss Haney is watching our service online. And I told her, I said, Miss Haney, when I get to church,
church. I'm going to mention your name because you know why? Each and every one of us need to be praying for Miss Haney. She's in the hospital watching church. We're sitting in the pews watching church, and we ought to be thankful, amen? We ought to have joy in our hearts, a smile on our face, a testimony on our heart, waving our hands and praising God. You know why? He's been good to us this morning, amen? God is good. God is good, and people need encouraging. People need encouraging. So how are we going to encourage one another? Notice what the Bible says. Now we exhort you, brethren, and here is the first thing that it says, the encouragement. Warn them that are unruly. Warn them that are unruly. You say, well, how can that be an encouragement to warn them that are unruly? The word warn in verse number 14 is the same word as admonish in verse number 12. It means to put in mind. It means to caution. It don't mean just to rebuke and to smack somebody on the head, but it means a mild rebuke. It means to use mercy when you are warning someone. It goes on to say that when we use this word warning and unruly, it's those that are out of line. It's as a soldier who has broken rank and he is not standing in his place anymore. So what the Bible says, if you and I are going to be encouragers, then every now and then we need to remind people, hey man, you're getting out of line. Hey, man, you're not doing what you need to be doing. Hey, you're not saying the things that you need to be saying. I've not come to beat you up. I've just come to encourage you to get back in line. Get back in line. Get your heart back right with Jesus. Start doing what you need to do. Start living the way that you need to live. I'm not here to beat you up because I've got out of line myself. I'm just here to remind you, man, as long as we stay in a straight line, things is going to be good. But when we start getting out line things is going to get crazy can I hear an amen on that he says what we need to do is encourage one another stay in line brother stay in line sister I'm telling you it'd be a blessing I'm your pastor but it'd be a blessing every now and then if you, you get to seeing me getting down you get to hearing me saying things that I don't need to be saying. It'd be a blessing if some of you would even come to me as your pastor and say, hey, pastor, are you doing okay? Because you ain't acting right. Are you doing okay because you don't have joy in your soul? Are you doing okay because when I hear you talk, you don't sound excited, you seem down? Hey, pastor, I seen you the other day. It looked like you was kind of getting out of line a little bit. I'm telling you, we need to exhort one another daily, amen, to remind one another, stay in line, do what you need to do, be what you need to be. I'm here beside you. I've got you back. I'm behind you. If you need me, look, wave at me. I'll come along beside you, amen. I'm here to encourage you. Stay in line, child of God. Amen. Stay in line. Amen. Stay in line. Are you with me? I texted a young person the other day, and I won't mention their name. And I just texted them to make sure that they was doing what they needed to be doing. Make sure you're doing the right things. Make sure you don't get caught up in a lot of nonsense. Make sure you don't get caught up in what everybody else around you is doing. So easy just to go with the crowd. 
So easy just to fall out of line. So easy just to start living unruly. I'm here to encourage you today. If you're walking out of line, all you got to do is come to an altar and pray and say, Lord, I want to get back in line. I want to get back in my place. I want to get back at my post. I want to get back to serving you the way that I'm supposed to be serving you. Let's encourage one another. Get in line. Look at the person beside you and say, if you're out of line, get in line. If you're out of line, get in line. I want to encourage. Man, I love hearing <laughs> Son, hey, listen, let me ask you something. When that person beside you looked and said that to you, did you feel judged? You shouldn't. You shouldn't have felt judged. You shouldn't have. You ought to realize that people's trying to encourage you to get back in line. Amen. Amen. Oh, don't be judging me. Don't be judging me. Wasn't nobody judging you? Because you're supposed to set it back to them. <laughs> Amen. That wasn't a one-way conversation we just had. Person on your left, hey, get in line. Person on your right, hey, get in line. And then just stand there and let both of them tell you get in line. Amen. It's encouraging this morning. How, how about somebody that loves you enough? How about someone that cares enough about you that they just want to make sure that you're walking in line, doing the right thing, not living unruly, not living ungodly, trying your best to encourage one another? Stick with the stuff, man. You with me? Amen. What's the next thought? What's an exhorter do? He warns them that are unruly. He warns them that are unruly. But secondly, comfort the feeble-minded. Comfort the feeble-minded. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Listen close to this. This word comfort here means to encourage also. But it just don't mean to encourage. It means to relate with someone, to draw yourself near to them, to respect and to regard what that person is dealing with. The faint-hearted, the discouraged, those that are downcast and tore down, that's the feeble-minded. And the Bible teaches us that when you see someone who is tore down, when you see someone who is down and out, or you see someone who is the downcast, or you see someone who just seems so discouraged in their walk for the Lord, the Bible says comfort them. But don't just walk up to them and say, hey, man, what's, what's the frown? Hey, what's going on with you? Why don't you just pick yourself up and go on? No, it means to relate to them, to try your best and pray and ask the Lord to allow you just for a moment to walk a few steps in their shoes. And when you take a few steps in their shoes, then you will have the right words to be able to comfort them and encourage them in the things that they are dealing with in life. It's real easy just to look at somebody and say, man, get up. Man, get up. Man, pick yourself up. What's wrong with you, brother? Get up. But to comfort the feeble-minded means that you relate to them. You understand what's going on in their life, and you take the time to do it. We must take the time to do it. I had no idea I was 
I had a wedding this weekend, a Friday and Saturday, and my grandson had a birthday party. And I didn't realize this had happened at the birthday party until late last night when I got back home and was sitting talking with my wife. But I wrote this down as an illustration about helping those who are feeble-minded. Let's just picture in our minds that this whole platform up here is a swimming pool. Swimming pool. You say, well, I don't believe in swimming. Well, I didn't ask you if you believed in swimming. I just said this is a swimming pool. And there is a young child that's three years old, two years old, and they're running along the edge of the pool, and they fall in. And you're sitting there, each and every one of you, you're sitting there and you're, you're looking up here and you see this small child fall into this pool. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going you gonna to do this? You're going to do this? Are you going to do this? Hang on. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do if you see this small child fall into that water? I'll tell you what I believe you'd do. I believe you'd get up. And I believe you would sprint. And I believe you would get to that water as fast as you could. And you would do everything in your power to get that child out of that drowning, listen, out of that drowning situation. If you would do that, raise your hand. Amen. That's what it means to comfort the feeble-minded. It means that you will do whatever you need to do to get that person out of that drowning situation. You with me? My wife was telling me about the, the, the party yesterday for my grandson and said there's a little fella in our church, and I won't say his name, and said he was standing on the edge of the pool and then my grandson, he's, he's five, and said he just kind of went up and boom. <laughs> he's got a lot of Adam in him, amen? He's like his daddy. <laughs> Adam, where are you at? Are you here? Amen. He's got just like his daddy, amen? <laughs> and they, Tina told me, said people was panicking. I said, I bet they was. His mama run over there and got down and reached and grabbed her son. There's people sitting all around you this morning who are feeble-minded. They're discouraged, they're beat up, and they're drowning. Now, they're not going to raise their hand and say, I'm drowning, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. But I can promise you, people, all in this service is drowning. And they need someone to come along beside them and encourage them. You with me? That's what encouragers do. Encouragers will warn. Encouragers will comfort. And then it goes on and it says this. We're getting close to being finished. We exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Who are the weak? Romans 14.1 says, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye. Those easily tempted... Those easily discouraged and those easily defeated. 
Do you know there are some that are sitting in this service today and those that are watching online, just a, just a slight little temptation that comes their way completely blows them off course. Just a slight little whisper of the enemy in their mind gets them so discouraged that they don't even believe that they're even saved, a Christian, or born again. Just one little situation in their family causes them so much discouragement. And may I testify to you this morning, I've been there also. Sometimes in my life, my mind can get so clouded, my life can get so full and busy that if I'm not careful, the least little thing in my life can cause me so much stress and so much anxiety to where I get to the point to where I don't even want to make a decision where I'm even going to eat that day. You ever been there? Don't act all super spiritual like you ain't never been there. I'm telling you, man, life can get you to a place to where spiritually you are just weak. Weak. Weak to the point to where it was a battle for you to even decide whether you wanted to be here or not today, knowing this is where the Lord wanted you to be. But yet in those weak times in our life, decisions seems like mountains and it seems like the smallest thing turns into the deepest valley and it seems like one little whisper is enough to wreck our days and our weeks and sometimes our months. He said, you want to be an encourager? If you want to be an encourager, he said, warn those that are out of line. Warn them. He said, comfort the feeble-minded and he says, Hold up. That's what it means. Support. Hold up and care for the weak. Hold them up. I've seen it happen in this church before. I've seen people look around at other people and I've seen them go to them, grab them by the hand, hug their neck, talk to them. Hey, girl. And I've seen them make their way to an altar gather around one another and pray one for another. You know what that's called? It's called supporting the weak. Helping those. I had a young lady, Miss Sierra, come down out of the choir, walked down to the altar and got down to pray. I seen her sister come down. I seen her friends come down. I seen the church family come down. I seen them all gather up around her this morning right here and pray with her. I told this young man, I'll sit beside this morning. I said, you know what that's called right there? I said, I pointed over here. I said, you know what this is called right here? I said, that's called a family. That's the way it's supposed to be. Amen. Be there, support, hold up, pray for, care for. That's called an encourager this morning. Is there anyone here that's interested in being an encourager of the brethren? Time's running out. Time's running out. Time is short. People's hurting, people struggling. They need someone to help them. And God sent you here today to hear this message. Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak. I'll close with this. Be patient toward all people. All people. Be long-suffering. Don't be short-tempered. Listen, 
You know me, I just try to keep it real. Some people will wear you out. Amen? Some people will get on your very last nerve. Some people, when you see them coming, you're almost like, oh, dear Lord. Oh, Lord, here they come. And I had a guy tell me one time, said, when you go to the hospital and you're visiting, don't ever get on the elevator and ask someone how they're doing because for the next five floors, you're going to hear it. <laughs> but you know what an encourager does? You know what an encourager does? It's long-suffering. It's patient with people. It takes time to be patient with the situation that's going on around them. How many of you are thankful that people's been patient with you? How many of you are thankful that we're serving a long-suffering God? Amen. A long-suffering God. Don't render evil for evil. Don't do that. Don't, don't get mad and try to turn it back on someone else. We got to protect ourselves. We got to protect our family. You must protect your reputation and protect your property. But whatever you do, do not, do not ever get mad and try your best to turn it back on someone else that's made you mad. That's not an encourager. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them that despitefully use you. Follow that which is good. Follow that which is good. So here's what I would say in closing. Preachers, keep preaching. Singers, sing on. Church, keep telling people that Jesus loves them and he'll save their souls. Amen? Choir, keep singing. Keep being faithful to the house of God. Keep praying. Keep reading your Bible. Put a smile on your face, shake someone's hand, hug somebody's neck, look them right in the eyes and say, it's good to be saved and I love you in the Lord. Because God is good. God is good. God is good.